Hi, everyone. Welcome to Myatt's in the Mist, a podcast about the lives of missionaries in Papua New Guinea, or PNG for short. My name is Jason. And I'm Laura. And I'm Taylor. So let me start by saying I'm not a missionary, nor do I live in Papua New Guinea. I'm just a regular guy living in the U.S. with a regular guy job. However, I have a couple of people in my life who are very special to me, and I imagine to a lot of you, and they happen to be living in PNG, working as missionaries. Would the two of you care to introduce yourselves? Yeah, so like I said, I'm Laura. I'm a physician. My specialty is obstetrics and gynecology, which means that I deliver babies and I take care of women. And I'm Taylor, and uh, my background is in environmental science and conservation biology, but now I'm uh, working in maintenance and operations and a little bit of immigration work with, uh, with the mission here. And we are missionaries partnered with the Church of the Nazarene and Samaritan's Purse, serving at Nazarene General Hospital in Kujip, PNG. It's been a while since we talked. How are you guys doing? How are the Mayats doing? We're doing well. We have actually been here just over three months now, which is kind of crazy to think about. We have started to settle into some routines here and have kind of started to find some normalcy in our everyday life and our work and uh, life outside of work as well. Okay, what have you been up to? Anything exciting happening in Kujip over the last several months? Well, as you could probably suspect, we've been working, but we've also been building relationships both with our fellow missionaries and with Papua New Guinean nationals. We've been trying to do some exploring of the area locally. Taylor's been a little bit, I think, better at that than I have, uh, settling in. And we also recently had some time off, which was great. Um, The WHO was actually able to send a small team of physicians here for short-term relief. They all actually had prior experience working here quite a bit. So that was helpful in order to give us a little bit of time to get away because that probably won't happen again for the remainder of the year. One of those doctors is a physician who's actually a retired obstetrician and gynecologist. And he, this is his 12th time here. And he expressed that he wanted to come back just to help train me. And that's been pretty exciting and pretty fun to learn from him. His name is Dr. Pringle. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. I've only gotten to work with him just for a couple weeks now, but he's here for the next, I think, about a month and a half or so, almost two months. So, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun learning from him and expanding my skills. Things are going at the hospital. Things are going well. Um, They're opening up a new vision clinic, I think, this week or next week. Um, So that's exciting. They're building a new small health clinic. I'm about 30 minutes down the road at the Nazarene Bible College. So there'll be a little health clinic there that um, we're currently building, doing the construction work on. So that's exciting, too. So things are happening here. Yeah, like Laura said, we got to go on a little holiday. A couple of days before that, I had a nice stomach bug and uh, put me out of commission for a couple of days. So we hear that's pretty standard when you when you come to PNG. At some point, you'll catch you'll catch something and. I did, but we made it through that as well. So things are going well. Yeah. So I actually want to talk to you all about uh, the vacation a little bit, but um, a couple of little side questions based on some of what you just said. Uh, Taylor, you talked about uh, some of the building projects that are going on um, in your work. Are you involved in those at all? Yeah, some of them. The The uh, health clinic um, down the road, I'm, I check in on that from time to time. We have a site supervisor and some of the other missionaries are more uh, 
do more managing of that than I do. But uh, from time to time, I help. I'm mostly on station here, helping things run and keeping operations going on the station. That's one of our offsite locations. And so I only get over there once every couple of weeks just to check in on it. But um, I help in whatever I, way I can with that. And the vision clinic is we've actually had the building. Um, some of our maintenance guys have been just remodeling, touching it up. And now they're training some of the, uh, the nurses and staff to actually to be able to open it. Um, so I haven't been too involved with that, but it's exciting to see. Um, there's been a number of different people that have contributed to make that happen. So, yeah, as someone who wears glasses 24 seven, I have often wondered taking care of my patients, what it's like being in a place where there isn't any corrective uh, vision that they can offer. So it's, I think, actually really exciting that we're opening a vision clinic. I don't know a lot of the details about it because, as you can imagine, an obstetrician isn't too heavily involved in that. But my understanding is is that we've had some uh, corrective eyewear glasses and such that has been donated over the years that they're getting ready, essentially, to now start giving to patients. Um, so, yeah. A little way that we can help, but it goes a long way in, you know, being able to <laughs> to see is pretty uh, impacts your daily life for sure. So is it the only vision clinic that's going to be on in PNG at all? Or is it just Kujip or? Well, I don't know that for sure, but I can say that they're likely in the capital is probably more access to care that is corrective vision. But here in the Highlands area, as far as I know, there isn't very much access. So specifically in our province, our hospital is the only hospital for the province of Jawaka. So because we don't have a vision clinic until now, there hasn't been for that about 400,000 people that are in our province that our hospital serves, there hasn't been any access for them. That's really great that you guys can get that open and, and running then. All right. So hard to believe with all the things that you've been up to that you somehow managed to fit vacation in. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Tell us about your vacation. Yeah, I mean, we felt we have, we've only been here for three months and we're already going on vacation. So that felt a little weird. It was it was good, actually, to just debrief and decompress and, and get away. But it kind of speaks to the importance of short term volunteers, like Laura said, because we had some of these other docs come in, they were able to provide some staffing at the hospital to allow some of the doctors, including us, to get away. So um, there's a little plug for for short-term volunteers, and they are a huge, huge blessing to us when they can come, even if it's only for a couple weeks or a couple months. Uh, but we were able to go to Medang, which is on the coast of uh, north coast of Papua New Guinea, coastal town. We spent a week there. There's not a whole lot of touristy things to do but we just kind of hung out near the water we did um, some snorkeling saw lots of cool marine life starfish and sea turtles and dolphins and we spent some good time with some we went with uh, three other missionaries and we got to spend some good time just playing games and um, building those relationships as well it's been hard with covid impacting global travel in general so that's made volunteers getting here very difficult. So when the opportunity arose that we had some short-term volunteers to provide relief, that meant that we should probably take that opportunity, even though, like we said, you know, we've only been here for a couple months, so it seemed a little fast to take a vacation. But in reality, the 
the chances that there will be more volunteers coming for even the rest of the year is pretty slim. These volunteers were actually able to come through the WHO, and it was a special circumstance. They got special privileges from the government here to enter without needs to quarantine and such. So all of that just meant that it was kind of great circumstances that aligned for us to be able to do this. With that being said, normal years, yeah, we do get vacation time that's built into our schedule. We get, I think it's about two to three weeks worth of time off that we are allowed to take and use as we would like. Uh, How is that even possible without spare doctors to, you know, cover for you? Because the things that both of you do for that matter are are pretty important and kind of irreplaceable. How, How can you take two to three weeks without, you know, folks showing up from overseas? It's a, a lot of logistical jumping around. I mean, there's other staff and, and other docs here too. So we had, there was three doctors um, that went on our trip to Medang. Usually, I don't think that would happen. Usually it would only be one or two at a time um, because we do have other doctors here. I mean, there's staff here that can handle the hospital for a week. It's um, the whole place doesn't necessarily rely on one or two people. So um, there's enough flexibility to be able to make that happen. It's just a little bit more attentiveness to the strain that a vacation for one person would put on the rest of the staff. And so it just takes a little more coordinating. And that's why, again, short-term volunteers are such a tremendous help in um, just kind of freeing up those possibilities for, for the staff here. So I feel like I moved away from it a little quickly. Is there anything else that you'd want to tell us about how your vacation went? Well, I would just reiterate that it was a lot of fun. We went to the coast. And so the activities that we were doing were pretty much based around the beach. We were able to go to a black sand beach, which was pretty neat. And we did a lot of snorkeling. That was pretty fun too. We saw probably just hundreds of variety of tropical fish, which was really incredible. Taylor swam through something called the hole in the wall. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So we, well, this is an adventure. So first of all, most of the coast where we were is rocky. There's not a whole lot of beach, but we did find that one beach. But we went ex- uh, trying to find this place called Hole in the Wall, which took us about an hour and a half longer in multiple conversations with locals that had no idea where it was. And we eventually found it. It's just this tiny little village on the side of the water. And there's this little inlet um, where you can swim out. And then there's this big rock wall. Is it coral? Coral. Yeah, it's mostly coral. And... uh you can, it's about, I don't know, 30 feet and you could swim down and go through this big hole that's underwater in the wall and then pop up in the little uh, lagoon. lagoon there. Um, but it's one of those things where once you go, you got to make it all the way through because, you know, you're completely submerged in it. So it's uh, psychologically, it just, it freaks you out. So it was really, really um it was quite a thrill and I did it and I went to get GoPro footage of it. Cause I had my GoPro on and I psyched myself up so much. And I realized I just got to go, like you just got to do it. And I completely forgot to hit record. So unfortunately we don't have any video or proof that it actually happened, but I did make it through the hole in the wall. So maybe next time we'll get footage, but we did post um, some cool pictures and videos on Facebook. And uh, I think we'll put some up on our website too. If you want to, check out some cool underwater videos and some other stuff that we were able to do. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for taking a moment to kind of run through that a little bit more because honestly, it's really neat. It's not something that uh, I would venture to say very many people get to experience. 
Um, so hearing about your vacation, I think is really cool. Uh, is there, there's, I, I want to kind of jump into segments, but there was a question that I wanted to ask you guys before uh, we moved into that. Have you learned anything new about the culture since last we spoke? Uh, whether it's different or the same as what life was like in the States for you, is there just something new that you've learned? Yeah. So one of the things that I've learned while working in the hospital, which I know Taylor has learned this too from working with the guys in maintenance, but it just kind of seemed interesting to me was how names work here. So everyone has a first name, which is a given name that their parents give them. And then a last name or a surname depends on the father or the husband, which in some sense is similar to us, but it goes off of the first name. So for instance, for a man, his first name is his given name. And then his second name is the given name of his father. So if his father's name was John, his last, the the man's last name would be John. And then for women, it's similar in the fact that, you know, like I said, the, the first name is the given name. And then the second name, if they're not yet married, is their father's first name. And if they are married, it's their husband's first name. So a lot of women may end up with a second name or surname that's something like John or Mark or something that sounds more like what we would think of as a typical masculine name but it's just because it's the first name of their husband or their father which is makes it very difficult to be able to track family lines right because if if you don't have the same last name like we have last name Myatt right so everybody can hear the name Tim Myatt my father and Taylor Myatt and assume that or at least be curious that hey we might be related right well you don't really have that here so it's it's interesting because um, it took me a long time to figure out that one of our friends, John, was the father of one of our other, one of the guys that works at maintenance named Peter John. But I didn't realize that they were related for the longest time because, you know, John is a very common name. And so, so it's interesting that it, it does make it kind of hard to track family or um, to identify family lines. So, so in that case, are you going to start going by Taylor Tim and then Laura Taylor? <laughs> Probably not, but <laughs> I will say Taylor th- seems to think that it's easy to be known by Myatt, but I remember, as obviously you know, Jason, with still maintaining our last name growing up, Johnson was my maiden name, and therefore it was very easy for people to mistake me or our family because it's such a common last name. Well, and one other neat thing is that then I guess the uh, mother or the, the wife uh, the spouse is going to have a different last name than the husband will. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, no, that is really fascinating. I, yeah, that, that is an interesting way to track it, or I guess not track it at all. <laughs> For you would look at that. Yeah. So let's, let's uh, jump into some segments if you guys are ready for that. Yep. Sounds good. All right. So let's start with Kai Kai Belong PNG. So I get it right. You did. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this. Uh, have you all tried any new foods over the last few weeks? Yes, we have tried actually a few, but the one that stands out to me is something called taro, uh, which is, I don't know how to describe it, Taylor. It, it's a starchy root vegetable. Would you say it's a root vegetable? Yeah, it's like a potato, but it's more dense and it's less mushy when it's cooked and it has little veins that run through the whole thing it's purple but um 
the taste isn't there's not much of a taste but it's it's very hearty very hearty food you eat a you know one one taro and you'll probably be full um but it goes great in you know with roasted veggies or um cooked veggies it's delicious yeah so the context in which we recently tried taro was a mumu that the hospital had they had just finished this large building project that i think has gone on for a few years now actually where they built some new operating theaters, pharmacy, lab buildings and such. And so they had a big celebration at the end to say, you know, we finally finished these big projects for the hospital. And the feast that was with this celebration was, it's called a mumu. It's just the name for the for a feast in general. And so they cooked a lot of typical, I don't know what you would say, um, foods for the area and what they would have in any type of celebratory feast. And so taro was one of those things. And I think, if Taylor, you could probably say they, they usually cook it in the ground, correct? Yeah, they basically dig a, dig a hole in the ground, and then that's where they, um, they cook everything. And they, well, they start a fire down in there, and they put pig and vegetables and greens and everything that they cook. And then they cover it all up with banana leaves and things. Um, and they let it cook for hours. At the end, they pull it all out, and it's delicious. Yeah, and I decided I really like taro. So, yeah. So you mentioned uh, that taros are like potatoes. Is that also how they taste? No, like Taylor said, it's a lot more dense. I think than a potato. The texture is different. It's it's starchy a little bit, similar to a potato, but the texture is different. I don't know. Is there anything that you can think of to compare it to? Well, so when you cook it, if you were to like, if you were to bite into a baked potato, right, it it just kind of folds and is mushy. Whereas taro, a, a baked taro or cooked taro, it won't be as mushy when you bite into it. So it's got a little bit more firmness to it in its texture, um, but but it is still it it is very dense and and the taste, the flavor of it, there's not much to it. It's it's kind of blandish like a potato but it goes really well with a lot of other things you throw some spices on it and it's delicious yeah i mean it can take on some of the flavor of the surrounding dishes that it's cooked with okay uh so was the food where you vacationed any different it was very similar um they have a lot of coconut like a ton of coconuts along the coast whereas we're in the highlands here we're at you know a mile high elevation in the mountains so we don't really have coconuts um, coconut trees here, but on the coast, there's coconuts everywhere. So we were able to enjoy some of, uh, some coconuts. Are there any foods from the U S the two of you have been missing? I think one of the things we probably missed the most is just being able to go out and get something like every once in a while, it's just nice to go to Chipotle <laughs> and here we're, we're an hour, well, 45 minutes to an hour from any restaurant. And when you go to a restaurant, you don't get your food in 20 or 30 minutes. It usually takes an hour or an hour and a half. So you kind of have to, it kind of has to be a whole to do to go to a restaurant and just get some food. Yeah, we are the Chipotle. <laughs> so yeah, if we, we want make to, our own Chipotle. Yeah, if we want Chipotle, we have to make our own, which I'm a decent cook, but I'm not amazing at cooking. And also there's something that's just better about when you don't have to cook things yourself sometimes. Oh, absolutely. All right. So... Next up, we have our segment on birds. Taylor, take us away. 
So I got to tell you about a bird that uh, I saw in Medang because I can tell you about a lot of other birds here in the Highlands in uh, um, episodes to come. But because we went to the coast, I uh, one of the birds we saw was an orange-bellied fruit dove. So imagine a dove, uh, like just a normal dove, same size, except it's completely green and its belly is just this bright citrus orange. Um, and they hang out in groups. And the interesting thing about these birds is that they'll nest up in the mountains, not necessarily we're in the region that we're in, but they'll nest up in the mountains and the foothills. But then they come down to the coast when they're when it's not the nesting season. And so we were able to see some of them. Well, I was able to see some of them. Some of us were less interested. So that was really exciting to see. And they, I found two two groups of them. The interesting thing of, of, of note when we went to the coast was, I mean, there was just miles and miles of beautiful coastline. And I never saw in, in Medang, I never saw a duck or a goose or a gull or any water birds or shore birds. The only thing I saw, the only water bird I saw was a heron, which was incredibly fascinating to me because I've been to the coast, the Atlantic coast, the Pacific coast, a lot of other lakes and water bodies in the world. And there's always gulls and you'll see ducks and geese and things. But along the coast of PNG, it was uh, the North coast, at least the South coast has some more about the North coast. It was, it was just amazing how few water birds there were. The other interesting thing was, and this isn't a bird note, but it's kind of close. They have tons of bats flying foxes, which are these huge bats um, that you'll see flying around in broad daylight in Medang. We were at having dinner one night and uh, I looked up, we were near the water, I looked up and there was just hundreds of bats flying over. These big bats with five foot wingspan, just flying around. So that was very interesting. Of course, bats are mammals, not birds, but it's a, a fun nature note. So you have flying foxes near your home too, though, don't you? Yes, we do, but you only see them at night. So, well, which means you generally don't see them. Um, they're nocturnal here in the mountains. And they are, if you go outside at night, you, you can hear, they, sometimes you'll hear them, their wings, because their wing beats just flap. Or, of course, their wings flap. Duh. Their wings make, they're, make a lot of noise because they're such big creatures. Um, but you don't really see them that often. So Unless you're Taylor and you put up a trail camera on a banana tree overlooking some overhanging bananas. Let's and... clarify. You put them in another type of tree and you hang bananas in that tree. That's fantastic. Um, so have you seen any Birds of Paradise yet, Taylor? No. So... Birds of Paradise, they're not just flying around everywhere here. They they hang out in, in the bush, in the um in some of the primary forests up in the mountains. There's not a lot of them that are hanging out around here where there's so many people in gardens and things. So I've been working some contacts, building some friends with some of the locals. Some of them say that they know where there are some. I haven't we haven't got out to actually go find them because it's gonna take probably a half a day's hike and but I'm I'm working some leads and we'll have a report on that. You're sometimes. you're making friends you're making friends with the folks who know how to find the good birds. Friends in high places, yes. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. No, listen, you're the expert. In the well, 
I think that's hilarious. I'm sorry that your wife isn't laughing at you. That was a good joke, Taylor. I've I've heard his jokes before. Well, they're not lost on me. I appreciate it. So um, I don't I don't know. I, I guess the reason that I asked that question and I'm so astonished by it is that you tell me about, you know, a bright green and orange bird and somehow that's not a bird of paradise. Sounds like one to me. Yeah. Birding here is it's just a different it's just a different animal. I mean birds are birds but it's it's just a completely different experience and we can do another podcast on that later too but but it's a lot of fun i'm enjoying it and i'll try to get some more pictures and videos to put up so that people can actually believe that what i'm saying is true and i'm not just making stories up i I don't know why you always assume that people don't believe you (laughs) i believe you because I think that's how it works in the birding world. I mean, it's pretty legit. You have to produce pictures and recordings of their songs. You have to really verify that what you said you saw actually was seen by you. Okay. So let's jump into some listener questions. Unless you've got anything else about birds? Nope. Quick reminder, uh, send us your questions at myasinthemist at gmail.com, and we'll get to them right on the podcast. So the one question that we have this week is... If possible, could we have Laura or Taylor and or Taylor each share a favorite native dessert or main course cuisine item? Not only share the what, but also the why. And please make sure there's no onions. (laughs) No onions. Mm, That's a tough one. Uh, Okay, so one of my new favorites, we talked about taro already, but one of my new favorites is a different type of banana that I've recently tried around the same time it was cooked in the mumu as well. And it's just called a strong pella banana, which just means it's a heartier banana. So we're used to these relatively soft, kind of mushy, sweet bananas in the United States. There are actually several different kinds of bananas here. But the one that I'm specifically talking about is similar texture to some extent to the taro. It's more hearty, firm. I don't know how else you would say. It's not sweet. Starchy. Well, I was getting there. And it's not sweet at all. But it does have its own kind of distinct flavor that's subtle and when it's cooked in a mumu and it's like almost kind of slow cooked it has this really great flavor and texture that comes out that i just thought was really delicious but it tastes almost more like a vegetable than it does like a fruit. yeah it doesn't taste anything like a banana you've ever tasted if you've only ever eaten bananas in the united states oh i gotta i'm just gonna go ahead and jump in here and you've said that it's not sweet it has a different texture doesn't taste the same but it's a banana, or you're comparing it to a banana? Is it just the shape? Same size, same shape, same color, just, and it grows on a very similar tree. It's, it's a, just a different variety. It's a banana. It has a peel like a banana. It looks like a banana. It smells like a banana. It tastes like a banana. Da, no, no, it no. He's just being confusing now. No, it is a banana. It's just a different variety. Cool. Taylor, you got any? So we got to try, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, we got to try sugarcane, which, you know, we've, we have a lot of sugarcane products and stuff in the U.S., but the way they eat sugarcane here is you literally cut the stalk of the sugarcane, which some of it grows to be 10, 15 feet tall. And then what they'll do is they'll just, and you just chew off the skin, you just bite off the skin and it's just all this fiber inside, all these fibers. And you just start chewing on it, and this very, very sweet sugar water just starts pouring out as you as you squeeze it or bite on it or whatever. So it's 
it's just basically sugar water, but it's very, very delicious. And it's so simple, but it's, it's an awesome dessert. You just start chewing on it and it just exudes sweetness. Yeah. If you can imagine it's, it's a long, like Taylor said, tall cylindrical stalk. Like a corn and, stalk or something. Yeah. Or even honestly, it kind of reminds me of bamboo a little bit, but yeah, you take the, almost like the peel off of it, the outer, the hard outer shell to it and then this inner fibrous layer you just take bites of and you chew it and as the sugar water comes out you swallow that and then once you've gotten all of the sugar water out of it you actually spit out the pulp and you don't typically uh consume that i think that sounds a lot better than your weird banana but that's just my opinion well you're just gonna have to try them someday i i guess well well yeah I mean, I'm sure there'll only be so much time while I'm visiting. I may not be able to work in weird bananas, but we'll see. We, we'll, we'll put it on the, on the schedule for sure. Okay. Um, so again, folks, anything you want to ask uh, these delightful missionaries, we will do our best to get it into the next episode or, you know, whatever episode you ask it before. Uh, but the email address, again, is midst at gmail.com. That's M-Y-A-T-T-S-I-N-T-H-E-M-I-D-S-T at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you all. Uh, so uh, it's about the time um, that I'd like to get back to the reason that you guys are here and what brought you to Papua New Guinea and what it is that you have to thank for everything. So um, it, has one of you prepared any sort of uh, scripture or prayer or both uh, for us today? One of the things I've been thinking about is is grace. Laura actually posted a blog post about her thoughts on it um, a couple weeks back, but um, we've been reading this uh, Philip Yancey's book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And uh, I've been reminded of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, which says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Not This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, um, not by works so that no one can boast. I've just been contemplating grace and, and reading this book. And um, the thing about grace is that grace isn't fair. It costs everything for the giver, and it costs nothing for the receiver. And in regards to, to God's grace, essentially what it boils down to and what grace it means um, is that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. He loves us unconditionally. It takes a step of faith and belief um, and acceptance of Christ's salvation on our part, but at the same time, None of that could happen. We could not have, we don't deserve um, God's love. Um, we don't deserve the love of others. Um, but it is by grace that, that we're saved. And it is by grace that, um, that God loves us. And that is not something that we've done or earned in any way. And I think that in this context here in PNG, we, we experience that and see that. And that becomes tangible to us in different and new ways. Um, daily. And so it's been a um, a reflection of mine over the last month or two, really, just as we're discovering grace in our lives and grace in this ministry context here in Papua New Guinea. So yeah, that's just been one of my thoughts for this episode. Does either of you care to lead us in a prayer? Sure, we would love to. Father, we thank you for these moments. We thank you that your grace gives us hope for a new day. And even when we don't deserve we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve the community that we have here. We don't deserve the opportunities and blessings we've been given. But 
you didn't give them to get something in return. We thank you. We thank you for that. We thank you for this opportunity to share what you're doing in Papua New Guinea with our friends, loved ones, and supporters back home. And we pray your continued blessings and grace on all of them and on all of your children this week and in all time. We, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Um, all right. So uh, let's take a minute to learn some more Pigeon English. I don't know who wants to uh, take the reins this time. I think we've been kind of switching it back and forth. Um, but per usual, I thought it would be good to uh, listen to me try to fumble through the words that we've learned so far. Um, and we'll start with the very beginning one, which was Wantok. I think that's W-A-N-T-O-K. And that means friend or relative. And then later we learned that it means anybody who's a member of a community. Did I get that right? That's the essence of it. I mean, we're still learning the nuance of the language here. But... Yes, you got it right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. That's all I needed to hear. That's fine. <laughs> all right. And then we actually brought this up because it's a great title for the food segment, but Kai Kai and Belong. We got Kai Kai, which means food, and Belong means belonging too, which kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. That's correct. Yeah, and I, and I kind of mentioned this to you guys when I was talking through this. Um, the reason that I like to do this at the beginning is because uh, repetition helps with memory. It helps to learn things. Yes, I would agree. I think back to our topic about the language in general, that is simply how one memorizes. You just invest time and repetition and dedication to it. As a doctor, do you have any sort of explanation as to why repetition helps with memory? Nope. <laughs> Okay, cool. I, I don't I think, know. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a heel out of myself and say, I think that it does something about like helping build pathways uh, within the mind hmm. or something like that. I don't know if that's actually accurate. All right. Who has the new word for us this week? Well, I actually have a few new words for you. I decided that this week we would discuss greetings. So yeah, so usually it depends on the time of day, but when I'm out and about, in the hospital or Taylor or I are on the station walking around and you walk by someone, you will greet them depending on the time of day with a different greeting. And so in the morning, and, and most of them are all relatively similar to what we would say in English, but the spelling and the pronunciation is a little bit different. So in the morning, you say morning and it's just M-O-N-I-N-G. So just kind of leaving out the R. And then in the afternoon, you say afternoon. There's this specific time frame right around noon that you can say good day. But once it gets to be one o'clock or later, you say happy noon. 12 to one is good day. Not a minute before, not a minute after. Yeah, they are. People here are pretty specific. If you say morning and it's, you know, 12 o'clock, then they'll say, oh, no, no, good day. <laughs> Which is fun to be reminded well, exactly what time it is. And then in the evening, you can say good night. So we got moaning, uh, basically morning without the R. And then is it just good day? Is that what you're saying is exactly like the English for the noon to one period? G-U-D-E is the spelling, but it's good day. Okay. And then it almost sounded like you put a P in instead of an F-T for afternoon. Did I say that right? Correct. There's not as much use of the letter F here. The, F, the letter F does not exist in the pigeon alphabet. However, the F sound kind of... Is replaced Pop, with a pops P. Pops up occasionally, yeah. but most of the time it's replaced with a P. So it would be Apinun. Which is spelled A-P-I-N-U-N. I think you're trying to stump me, throwing this many words at me, because now we still got, what was the last one for night? Good night. It's pretty close to English. 
It's not too hard. I thought the, you would be able to. The interesting thing about good night, though, is that it's a greeting here. In, in America, we only use it as a salutation to say goodbye. So we would say good night, meaning, you know, have a good night, see you later, that kind of thing in the evening. Whereas here you walk by somebody and instead of saying hello or something, you'll say good night. And that means that's greeting. That's not a that's not a goodbye. It's a greeting. Just kind of interesting. And the inflection on the pronunciation is a little different sometimes, too. So, And what's the factor in the inflection? Is it like a regionalism or is there actually something to do with the timing? Well, like in like in, in English, we would say good night, right? But they say it more as a greeting, like a hello. So it would be like, good night. It's subtle, but you know. No, it's almost like saying good evening here instead. It, I mean, that could be a greeting. Exactly. Okay. All right. So what is hello? Can you just, I mean, like, is it standard to just say hello, especially if you don't know what time of day it is? You can. Yeah, you can say hello. I think more frequently people greet you based on the time of day, but it's not uncommon to say or to have someone say to you hello. Uh, What's the word for hello? I think it's just hello. Yeah, but it's more like hello. They'll often (laughs) say bio. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, bio. That's so cheery. I I adore that. We're getting way too many words. We're going to run out. I bet you all know a lot more than that, though. Surely by now. Yeah, we yeah we definitely know more than that. Me sabe, Lick Em sabe, Tomas. <laughs> Continue. We're not even going to. We'll figure out, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to learn so many more words that 100 episodes later, I'm going to come back to this and figure out what the two of you just said. So don't okay. we don't need to uh, qualify that any further. Okay, so... I think that wraps that about wraps up episode three. I think I'm going to call it settling in. We'll see. Uh, I like this idea yeah. of giving some some names to stuff. But uh, uh, last time I'll bring this up, listeners, I promise I, I want to repeat it so you remember, like we just talked about. Uh, you can reach us at the podcast at myitsinthemidst at gmail.com. Uh, for all things Laura and Taylor, you'll want to go to their website, which is myitsinthemidst.com. You can read their blog, see some amazing photography, and so many other things. Um, And remember, you can find us on many of the podcast sources out there, Apple, Google, Audible, and in all those places, if you subscribe, you'll get the new episodes as soon as we were finished courting and posting it. Uh, So listeners, I I know you don't need me to say this, but please continue to cover them, the ministry at Kujip, and the people of PNG in your prayers. It is the most valuable way you can support them. If you decide you'd like to help them in other ways, though, you can find out how on their website as well. So, missionaries, do you have any parting words for us? No, I think we covered a lot of ground this episode, but thank you for reviewing all that, Jason. It's been really good to catch up. Likewise. Well, I think we were, we'll probably, yeah, we'll probably sign off here and go start prepping dinner. I was going to have alligator for dinner, but (laughs) then I realized all we have is a crock pot. So, anyways. I don't even know how to unpack all of that that you just said. It's not even dinner time. <laughs> it's not even dinner time. It's where did you get the alligator? I, I mean, who hunts alligator? What do you mean you only have a crock pot? I, there's so many things. I don't even. <laughs> look, we're just going to close this out. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, be sure to keep an eye out for the next release of Mites in the Midst. And we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye. 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 So the other day. The other day, my friend Tony asked me not to say his name backwards. I thought that was a peculiar request, so I asked him, why not? Oh my gosh. He's been telling me that joke for the last month. Oh, that's such a good one.